RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Jim DeVico. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 380 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast and your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse. Recorded live on Tuesday, August 28th, 2018 and available for download or streaming on Friday, August 31st at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Anthony. All right, Kenna, tell us what we've got coming up this week. We're checking out what John Cho knows or doesn't know about the upcoming Star Trek IV. Star Trek Discovery is available to pre-order on Blu-ray, and the Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind, is raising more money for more HD. And Anthony and Elijah are reporting back from their away mission to Treconderoga. In Star Trek Online and gaming news, we're catching up on the latest that the gaming world has to offer, and Anthony will be doing a very special review of the new game, Star Trek Flux. And as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, remember, those hailing frequencies are always open. We love to hear from you between episodes, so please, reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast. We're on Twitter at PriorityOnePod. You can even send us an email via incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And now we're on Instagram. Follow us at PriorityOnePod for snapshots of the latest Trek news and our own misadventures. Captains, it's been a real busy week for us over on Patreon because we've had two new patrons join us. Woo! Darnell Dwayne Ross and Jonathan Hickman. We are so very grateful for your patronage. Thank you for joining us. It's because of the support from our patrons that the lights stay on, the servers keep running, and we can continue to produce content from week to week. Speaking of patrons, another shout out to Peter Archibald, who we bumped into during Trek Conderoga this last weekend. It was an honor to meet Peter and be able to get to know him a little better. I mean, he's been a patron for so long, and and it, it was great to put a face and a personality behind the patron. So thank you so very much uh, for, for identifying us in the hallways there of, of Trek Conderoga and for spending a little time with us. Now, for those of you unaware, over on patreon.com forward slash priority one, we have perks that we offer to those of you who decide to contribute on a monthly basis. For instance, at the $10 level, you can get an unedited version of our recordings, not to mention an additional podcast that we call On Screen, where we review things like Netflix's Lost in Space or whatever nerdy happenings might be going on in our lives. For instance, 
This week, we'll be talking about shooting pool with Carl Urban. I'm so jealous! Oh my god. Now, we understand that a financial contribution may not be possible. So there are other ways that you can help support the show. For instance, you can share the post of our episodes with your friends on social media like Facebook or Twitter. Let everyone know that they can get their weekly roundup of Star Trek news with colorful commentary right here on Priority One Podcast. Now, let's check out all the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. If you're searching for information about Star Trek 4 or 14... JJ verse movie four. Don't ask John Cho because he doesn't know. Star Trek's Kelvin Sulu is currently promoting his new film, Searching, in which he stars as a father frantically investigating his 16 year old daughter's internet history after she goes missing. The film is garnering buzz for its unique style, but that hasn't stopped the Star Trek questions from popping up during the press tour. In an interview with USA Today, the 46 year old Cho told the publication, quote, I know very little about the next Star Trek movie. I've heard we're going to do one, but beyond that, I don't have details. I'd rather not know. I don't want to lie. The boring answer is to wait for the powers that be to make a decision, end quote. That's not to say Cho isn't interested in playing Sulu again, maybe even in a standalone movie. The CNET News Podcast sat down with Cho and other creatives from the new film Searching, and when asked about the possibility of a Solo-type standalone film, Cho responded, quote, If Solo, why not Sulu? End quote. Check out the show notes for links to the articles referenced. I would like to say, let's not model a standalone Sulu movie after Solo, because if I remember correctly, after Solo was when Disney went, oh yeah, all those standalone movies that we were going to do for Star Wars, we're not going to do them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they basically axed to all of them. So maybe that's not the best thing to compare it to. But uh, outside of that, who knows? They got to get creative because TV is kind of killing it in terms of creative direction. And so the prospect of another, another Kelvin timeline film that's going to be two hours long and tell a story with the whole cast. <laughs> you, get, you get what I'm getting at there. It's, it sounds a bit lackluster. I personally liked the Solo movie, and I would love to see a Captain Sulu movie, much like George Takei wanted to do a TV series back in the day. I think it would be great to have a Sulu standalone movie, something a little, you know, I that may be, in fact, the direction that they're going to have to go, given some of the negotiation issues that they've been having recently. But who knows? There's no doubt that the Solo film did poorly in the box office compared to the other Star Wars Disney films. I think that Star Trek would do even more poorly if they were to split up the actors and tell these side stories. Unfortunately, the numbers are not there to support that level of investment. Now, compared to television, it's a different story, right? Because here we are in Discovery, and we're excited to see a, a two-episode, a two-parter episode or three-parter episode of just a Saru story or just a Cadet Tilly story, right? Because some of these stories are better told as side plots to a bigger arc, right? To a bigger series. 
so that you have 24 episodes of a series or, or 16 episodes to the series season rather and then a mini series a two episode part two parter for for a specific character so that's an excellent chance for a community question what say you captains would you pay to see a standalone sulu uhura spock or other solo film let us know in the comment section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO380 or by replying to our community question posts on Facebook and Twitter. Soon you'll be able to watch Discovery's Spinning Saucer on a spinning disc. On November 13th in North America, Star Trek Discovery Season 1 sets a course for Blu-ray, DVD, and a Best Buy exclusive steelbook. The four-disc set includes the 15-episode first season of Star Trek Discovery, as well as 10 featurettes with interviews from cast and crew, behind-the-scenes vignettes, and extended and deleted scenes. At the time of this recording, the Blu-ray is available for pre-order on Amazon.com for $43.27, the DVD is listed for $39.80, and the Best Buy exclusive steelbook is available for pre-order on BestBuy.com for $44.99 USD. For links to the pre-order pages, as well as international release dates for the DVDs and Blu-rays, check out the show notes. So this is where like my like really pernickety tendencies come out. I think it's really cool and I really hope you guys enjoy those. When Discovery has like completely ended, I will then consider buying a full box set. But I can't like I can't even buying one at a time, like I can't deal with it. I would I would definitely rent them from the library. Uh, I will definitely stream them if I can, uh, but I will not be buying a box set just of one season at a time that would drive me crazy. You're right. You're right. I I feel the same way because what ends up happening is that they're after the series ends, there'll be a massive, you know, box set of something with even more or different featurettes and it's just I And the boxes will match. Yeah, and the boxes <laughs> will all match and I don't know. It, this is definitely a, a marketing thing, right? For people who have yeah. to have all the things. I, the only reason I buy it or would buy it is for two reasons. One, because I have the reward zone certificate, so I'm technically not really paying. I don't buy anything from Best Buy anymore since I don't work there and I don't get the employee discount. So I only use, I only make a purchase at Best Buy when I have reward zone certificates. I think you guys are both wrong because I'm going to get this so that I don't have to pay for CBS All Access to rewatch season one of Discovery, number one. And number two, by the time it ends, Blu-rays won't exist anymore. We'll have to buy everything on a new format holographic <laughs> disc anyway. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, really the timing of this is for Christmas, uh, especially with the Best Buy uh, Steelbook version. These are timed there will be a certain amount of self-purchase, but I guarantee you there will be a lot of distant aunties who are going to be buying those uh, for their you know, nieces and nephews that they don't know very well, except they post on Facebook about Star Trek all the time. So uh, there, there is that. Well, that brings us to our next community question. We've asked you before about CBS All Access, but will you be picking up Discovery on Blu-ray? The Deep Space Nine documentary, What We Left Behind, is making a final push to release. 
but it doesn't want to take standard definition footage with it. In a recently released fundraiser video, What We Left Behind producer and director Ira Stephen Bear and producer Kai DeMello Folsom outlined to Andrew Robinson, plain and simple Garrick of Deep Space Nine, what the money is needed for and what perks are up for grabs. In the video, Robinson asks why more money is needed for HD conversion. Bear explains, quote, Originally, we thought five minutes of HD would be enough. But you know something? It's not. You're going to want more. The fans are going to want more. And we want to give fans what they deserve, end quote. A still frame comparison is shown of Garrick raising a glass, one in HD and one in SD. The difference is clear. We'll of course leave a link to the video, which is both entertaining and outlines the donor perks in our show notes. I have mixed feelings about watching Deep Space Nine in high definition, because since it is so makeup heavy, as opposed to previous Star Trek incarnations, Mm -hmm. I feel that there would be, I'd start noticing inconsistencies and it would start to bother me again. And I'd be like, ah, my immersion. However, on that same token, as I am re-watching Deep Space Nine, I am enjoying it more and more. And I am old enough to pick up on the nuances and the comparisons to today's socio-political climates and things that are going on and the nuances, and I'm starting to appreciate it more. So would I appreciate it and the space battles in HD? Yeah, absolutely. I I saw someone on Twitter say, imagine if all the money that went to a defunct fan film went into the HD render of all of Deep Space Nine and how much more satisfying that would be to fans. You know what? I have to agree with that tweet. Yeah, I agree. We're we're now at the stage, you know, uh, even a few years back, maybe 10 years uh, HD was not a standard thing, and it it was like, oh, it doesn't need to be better. Um, we're now at the at the stage, I think, as I'm rewatching DS9 as well, that the the lack of HD is now becoming obvious. It's actually as I'm sitting down to watch it, I'm going, wow, this is so retro. Whereas actually, that upgrade to HD would be it would make it more uh, seamless, bring it into, like, it would make the, it would make the visual aspect less distracting because it feels, I mean, you can get into it after a while, but it's like you said about immersion, that's really important right now. The, the sort of fuzzy late nineties-ness of it all is actually a little bit distracting. So I personally am for this. I know people have been gunning to get all of Deep Space Nine into HD for a long time, but uh, I, I, I don't know whether we'll ever see that. You know, when they did the HD conversion for the original series, I I actually didn't get uh, any of the seasons when they did it. I think I eventually got season one in HD after a couple of years, and I bought it used from a video store. I'm a huge TNG fan, and that's you know what I grew up on. And when they did the HD conversion for that, again, I still didn't buy it. I didn't feel the need to. If they did an HD conversion for Deep Space Nine, because it is probably my favorite Star Trek series of all time, I would I would instantly buy it. I would love to see that story brought forward and modernized with the technology so that it, as, as you said, kind of, it feels seamless with what we're watching today. And, um, I think in terms of this story and what they're doing in the documentary, 
I, I don't think we're going to see any discrepancies between makeup shots because they're only doing little chunks of, of, of video, you know, for little bits and clips. Um, I think this is going to give us a little taste. And I think part of the reason they're doing this is to try to get a big fan push to get the HD conversion done for Deep Space Nine. This past weekend of August 24th, 2018, Anthony and I met up for the first time in Ticonderoga, New York for the Star Trek tours Trekonderoga. The featured guests were two of our favorite Trek doctors. Gates McFadden, who plays Dr. Beverly Crusher on Star Trek The Next Generation, and Carl Urban, who played Leonard Bones McCoy in the Kelvin Timeline Trek films, aka the JJ-verse. During a press junket with McFadden, when asked whether or not she was in the loop regarding Sir Patrick Stewart's return as Jean-Luc Picard, she replied, No, well, yeah. no, we haven't. And, and probably, you know, I'm sure Patrick will fill us in at some time. We have no idea. I have no idea whether we're in it or if it's just Patrick or what. But we will all find out. It's just so cool, though. It's very exciting. And uh, again, I'm always blown away by our fans who have loved us the show and, and Roddenberry's vision for so long through so many uh, different uh, series, and they've all been so wonderful. So I'm, uh, I'm as excited as everyone else. Later, Anthony and I had the opportunity to ask a few of our own questions. Let's go to that audio. Theater inspires, and you are very vocal about your style uh, as an artistic director, pushing the audience uh, to the edge. Can Star Trek continue to do that given America's socio-political environment? Well, I th it, you know, I, two things. I don't want to feel that you have to violently push an audience somewhere. But I feel it's the difference. There's one theater company, for example, in Los Angeles, and their motto is, instead of leaning back for the show, lean forward. And people have also used that for political things, lean forward, go into it. I think that you need to open up people's eyes and experiences and you can't do it forcibly and you can't do it by being hostile like just hostile on Twitter you're only going to have your own people who agree with you you know like responding so how do you do it and I think one of the ways is for me for example the relationship between an audience the spectator and the performers is really important how are you in the space what's your relationship to the space is there a set or is it something that's an environment uh, how are you with the people next to you? How are you with the actors? Are you, are you hidden and safe, or are you actually sort of visible? All those sorts of details, it changes how you experience a show. And also, I think a lot of theater now, because we're so used to the cinema, there's a whole language that has happened, even on the stage. So you can't really make a set that's better than it would be in, in a film, in a way, okay? I mean, I suppose you could, somebody could, but not in general, because it takes a lot of money to do that. So if you start to be more minimalist, then you really are coming back to the roots of theater, which is the relationship between the spectator and the performer and, and the other actors. And you can talk about things, and, and, and I think it's, it can be very magical. I use the example of my great teacher, Jacques Lecoq, when he, I, I, I studied masks at one point. We had a lot of different things we studied. That was one thing. And every major culture in history has had masks. It's, it, they use it in some form or another. And when they are well used, you could swear this fixed face moves. You know it's a fixed object. 
but you think it smiled, or you think it did, and that's magic, and that happens on the stage. And when you are in the audience, you know, we we really think, how could they have done that? There's no special effect. How did that happen? And a lot of times, it's because like you know, these minds are imagining something together, and then you have the lights or different things. That's really cool to me. So that's one of the ways I love theater. In terms of our responsibility as artists, I've always felt that we have to help move the world forward. It is our responsibility. Uh, if you look at great art, where great art happened during great cultural, you know, times, and you have the the architecture, you have the social mores, you have all kinds of things that are going on. And right now, I think theater is really important. A, it brings people together in a communal situation. We're so used to watching, as I am, you know, just turn on the, the your computer and watch your s- series that streams. This way you actually get to be uh, with other people. And it's a different experience. And so many of us have started to lose those times because we're, like in Los Angeles, I mean, we're in our own little world of the car, right? So we don't even have the, the, the great public transport that, that we should have. We're starting, but it's a little, you know. And I think that when you are with people and you can't just remove yourself, it's so much better. <laughs> it's so much better for me. Even if I say, oh, I don't feel like it, I don't want you open up. You open up because there's someone else. And, and so I think it's the same thing. We really need to have art. And we learn, well, we don't learn, unfortunately, from history. It's like uh, the Barbara Tuckman book, A Distant Mirror. We keep making the same mistakes. That is something that is our species. We just keep making the same mistakes. And I wish that, just like I wish myself, I wouldn't make, you know, same mistakes. But I think we have to start with ourselves and then, you know, be there for others. Um, you mentioned uh, you love the color palette of McCoy's Sick Bay, and uh, I was wondering, on The Next Generation, did you have any input into the set as an actor, or was there anything you would have liked to have changed? I would have liked to have had more chance to use certain things and had time to explore them. It was so, so clean, our sets. It was so minimal. Uh, but, you know, over, the, over time, you could develop how you wanted to do your computer thing. Are you filming? And... Uh, and you could, you know, you could do stuff like that. So it was great. But I love the color palette of the whole series of this original set. It was, oh, it is awesome. And they've done such a good job with lighting and everything. It's, it's, uh, I, I tweeted about it. I said, it is Mad Men meeting, you know, Mars. It's like Mad Men, Mars, you know, conjoined, and it's fantastic. So I do love this color palette a lot. Uh, ours was much more sober. <laughs> which, uh, which set had the more comfortable chairs? Oh, probably ours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, before we talk about our experience up in Treconderoga, I would like to thank Mary Beth Rutkowski, who works for a Star Trek The Original Series set tour, who helped us collaborate and set up the press time during the convention. So thank you, Mary Beth, and to James Cauley as well. So, Anthony, what, what was your impression? This was your first away mission with Priority One Podcast. What uh, what were your takeaways? What was your experience uh, being in a in a press room with with Gates McFadden, which wasn't re- really a press room; it was McCoy's office. Well, first off, just being on the set tour, you know, on that recreation is always amazing. That was the second time I had been there, and then to spend just a fraction of any amount of time with Gates McFadden in McCoy's office 
was incredible. We got to ask her some questions, and I wasn't planning on asking her anything, but she called on me, and that was pretty awesome. I just latched on to something that she had said earlier uh, before we even started the interview and, and you know, asked her about the TNG sets. And it was really nice. I've, she was very cordial, and uh, it, it was an experience that... You know, I, I, you know, I'm a huge TNG fan, huge Dr. Crusher fan. She's probably my favorite doctor. It was just amazing all around and getting to meet you and also getting to uh, meet listeners and, and uh, you know, our Patreon, Peter uh, Archibald, um, was fantastic. See, this is difficult for me because you're sitting here talking about interviewing Gates McFadden in Dr. McCoy's office. On the set, and it's like I literally my brain can't even. So I don't I don't even know I don't know what to ask you because I'm just all I want to go is oh my god what was it like? <laughs> just tell me everything. And it's yeah. There there came a moment where I stopped feeling nervous about being in front of Beverly Crusher and more respectful as I would a professor. Mm-hmm. Right, like when you walk into a when you walk into a classroom with a professor who you know is like the dean, who was also the dean of the school or something like that, and you mm-hmm. have that that fear that happens to you as as a student. That's that's kind of what I what my feelings towards her shifted to mm-hmm. towards like halfway during that press junket. We were we were maybe three or four questions deep in in, in line of of press questions. And by the third or fourth question, my mind switched to, oh man, I'm, I, I feel like I'm in the presence of, of, a, of a professor, of a scholar, not, not an actor, not just somebody who has done Star Trek, but a scholar. Yep. And she, you know, she is not just uh, somebody who was on Star Trek that time. Um, she actually had a really successful career before Star Trek. Um, some of you may know she choreographed Labyrinth, Jim Henson's Labyrinth, which is like a stunning, spectacular movie in terms of choreography. So she already had a very successful career before she joined Um if you ever listened to um, Mission Log did an interview with her uh, last year that talks about that process of her joining um, Star Trek The Next Generation and it's absolutely fascinating because she was a theater person so I think it's it's absolutely right for you to have asked that of her and um, it's sort of reflective of what she did before and since you know just to just to sort of reiterate what you said Elijah the you know I was extra nervous because here I am coming up meeting you for the first time we're getting together for the first time. Uh, I'm going on to the set. I'm interviewing, you know, while I'm in the room, I, I was assuming I was going to be in the room while you uh, talked to Gates McFadden. And then uh, just being there, I was super nervous. But you're absolutely right. It, you know, she, the more she responded to questions, the more at ease I felt just about everything. And, uh, and, and it was, it was so easy that, what, you know, when she got to me to be able to, you know, ask her a question of something that she had mentioned earlier as if we were having a conversation. So it, it was really nice and it was very relaxing and it um, it really allowed for a space that felt more like a dialogue than just like a, a, a press back and forth. Now, Elijah, you mentioned that it wasn't just Gates McFadden who was there for that weekend. 
you also had Carl Urban was there, um, sort of headlining and um, appearing at Triconderoga as well. That's right. Carl uh, Urban was there, and we were scheduled to do another press room junket style uh, event with him on Sunday. Uh, however, uh, Ticonderoga is about five and a half hours away from where I live. Um, it's a long ride. That's without stops. Yeah, five and a half hours yeah, without stops. On a good day, <laughs> not on stopping. A, and on a good day, right, right. So, without traffic. Um, without traffic. So um, I wasn't able to participate. And, and, and Anthony, you had to be at work the next Sunday. So neither one of us were able to attend the press junket again on, on Sunday with Carl Urban. But we had the opportunity of schmoozing it up with Carl Urban anyway. Um, <laughs> okay, you have, to tell, night, you now, have to tell a little bit yeah, of I will the tell, story. I will, I, I will say a little bit of the story because we're gonna, I'm, I'm saving it for on screen. This is an epic story in which Anthony and I are getting to know each other at a bar a block away from the Star Trek tour. And all of a sudden, Carl Urban and his bodyguard and some other guy walk in. Anthony had just come out of the bathroom and was being distracted by something that was going on. And I'm like... Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Anthony's like, "What?" I go, "Carl Urban just walked into the bar, dude." So Anthony's like, "What?" And I go, now he, okay. "He walked into the other side of the bar, and we couldn't." And I did. You can't see across to the other side of the bar, right? You can't see across to the other side of the bar. So Anthony really didn't believe me. Anywho, long story short, we shot pool with Carl Urban. I just wanted to okay without spoiling everything. Elijah, I love Elijah. Elijah is a man who's, um, you might say, is a bit high-strung sometimes. And what <laughs> Elijah did in this bar was so smooth. And he, because he called me. He called me after. He called me. I was at Disneyland and he called me. I'm there with my family. They're going, why are you on the phone right now? And I was like, you, you told me, and I was like, dude, that was so smooth. <laughs> I was like, I was so proud. I was so proud of Elijah and how smooth he was. So I, I too was like, I, that's a brilliant move. That's absolutely brilliant. So that's how it started. That's how it, that's started. How it started. I bought him his double vodka. Now that's how it started, and I had a hand in getting to the next in, part in the pool. Yes, 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 yes. If it not had it not been for Anthony, we would not have shot pool. But for the nitty-gritty stuff, captains, you're just going to have to uh, head on over to patreon.com, find out. Find out what why why $10 is worth it for you. $10 a month, that's less than a happy meal. That is less than like 3 rounds of pool with Carl Urban. It's less than three rounds of pool for Carl <laughs> Urban. Uh, but but check it out because we save these kind of things for, for our patrons. These kind of juicy behind-the-scenes stuff um, we save for you. And it's convention season. And, and so we do all these things uh, and we think of you whilst we are away. So um, even for our patrons, when, when Anthony and I were, were at Trek Conderoga, we were taking advantage of Lens uh, when we could. Actually, I think the Carl Urban thing was on Lens. Like, I actually was on Lens going, oh, my God, I can't believe this just happened. So, check it out. Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek news. Now let's find out what happened this week in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. 
We're ready to dive into our gaming news for this week, and joining us is Fleet Admiral Winters of the Priority One Armada. Captains, if any of you are planning on beaming into PAX West this weekend, be sure to stop by the Perfect World Entertainment booth. You can take a photo in the captain's chair, test out a Perfect World game, and submit your email for updates and news. Once you've done those three things, you get your very own Star Trek Online-themed collector's pin. A real-life pin. Be sure to check out the design process for this pin in our show notes. So these things are, you know, they're, they're really nice, you know, that they have the special stuff when you go to conventions. But it's for such a small minority of the player base. I mean, you know, not everybody can go to conventions. And they clearly put an awful lot of time into this stuff. And I'm wondering, is there some way they could maybe open this up to other Star Trek Online players who are not able to go to conventions? It's a holiday weekend here in the United States, and those of you looking to get a little shopping in will be happy to hear that with every Zen purchase, you'll receive a bonus charge of 15 to 25% depending on the amount you purchase. And what better to spend that Zen on than a brand new starship? Captains on PC and PlayStation 4 can take advantage of a 20% off sale on ships, fleet modules, dry dock slots, and ship upgrade tokens. These promotions will end on Tuesday, September 4th. Either of you plan on taking advantage of this? I have already taken advantage of this and purchased me some Zen. I don't know of any ships that I actually really want, so I don't know if I'm going to take advantage of the ship sale. But I'll tell you what I am curious about is how come this isn't on Xbox? Why leave those guys out? I was curious about that, too, because normally the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox usually get the same promotions at the same time. Exactly, yeah. Um, I know myself I'm probably going to pick up some fleet modules. Moving on to Priority One Armada news, we are extremely excited to announce that as of last Saturday, we have formed the brand new Klingon High Council Armada. We felt that it was time for us to mirror the success that we've achieved on the Federation side on the Klingon side as well. This new armada will bring with it new opportunities for members to earn even more fleet credits, since it will be only Priority One Armada members that are part of the Klingon Armada. This also means that if or when we wish to expand further by activating a new fleet on the KDF side, we will have a selection of fleets to choose from. Last Saturday also saw the Priority One Twitch channel reach a new record of just over 1,000 followers. To celebrate this new milestone, we give away three sets of Accelerated Officer Training Pack codes and three codes for $10 worth of Zen. The Priority One Armada broadcasts every Saturday around 8pm Central and covers the latest news for Star Trek Online as well as the Priority One Armada itself. Once the news is finished, we team up with you, the viewers, and earn things like Reputation Marks and Dilithium. Check it out at twitch.tv forward slash priority one. In other Star Trek gaming news, I recently picked up a copy of both the Star Trek and Star Trek The Next Generation versions of Flux. Now, for those of you not familiar with the game of Flux, here's an overview. Flux is a card game that starts out with a basic rule card in play. On each player's turn, they draw one card and play one card. There are several different card types in Flux. There are new rule cards, which will change the rules on the player's turn. Some will overwrite the basic rule to allow players to draw more and play more than just one card on their turns. Others will give players additional actions to help plan their strategies. 
Goal cards, which in this case are named after notable Trek episodes, are played near the basic rule card and tell players what combination of cards they need in order to win the game. Keepers are cards, which you typically play in front of you, and are generally needed to win the game via the current goal in play. Creepers are negative cards, which are usually played in front of you and that will prevent you from winning the game, unless the goal card specifically states that you need it to win. The I Am Locutus goal requires Captain Picard and either the Borg or Borg Cube cards, both of which are creepers. Action cards can be played to do many things, including stealing keepers from other players, giving creepers to other players, or discarding rule and goal cards. Surprise cards can be played on other players' turns, usually to steal a card or prevent an action that that player just played. Ungoal cards are conditions that, if met, all players immediately lose the game. With all of these constant changes, the game is always in a state of flux. Star Trek and Star Trek The Next Generation Flux brings our favorite Starfleet crew into the mix. Each game on its own will give you the fun of Flux with the specific Trek-era flavor, but... I recommend adding the Bridge Expansion Pack that will allow you to combine both sets into one epic Q-style romp. The goals range from simply having both Chief Engineers, Geordi and Scotty, to having four out of the seven TNG Bridge Crew members for Tuesday Night Poker. You'll often find yourself trying to recreate famous moments and episodes in order to win the game. The most fun for me was discovering the different objects, characters, and combinations the designers chose to bring into the game. You can tell that these versions of Flux were created by a fan for fans. Flux is a small, simple, and usually fast game to play. It makes a perfect addition to any Trek fan's game library and can even be played while waiting in those long convention lines. Each base game retails for around $20 and the Bridge Crew Expansion Pack for around $5 USD. The replay value is high, so I feel you will get your money's worth. So the next time you're in your friendly local game store, check out Star Trek Flux from Looney Lux. Well, that's it for Star Trek Online and gaming news for this week. Now let's open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See? Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Episode 379's first community question was, do you or did you subscribe to CBS All Access? And will you subscribe again when new Star Trek content starts coming out? Our patron Jim DeVico writes in, I subscribed for the whole time Discovery was being released, but canceled after the final episode. I will resubscribe when it starts airing again for two reasons. One, I enjoyed hearing the analysis in this podcast after each episode. And two, I have a low EQ. Aw, he likes listening to us. Aw, it's awesome. That's nice. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, Jim. From Patreon, Tony Diamato says, I started rewatching DS9 and Enterprise, so I signed up for a yearly renewal. That was before the CBS and Netflix deal. Oh, well. Yeah, I watched Deep Space Nine on Netflix. So do I. I don't think I'd be watching it if it wasn't on Netflix, honestly. Yep. Um, because I, again, I also don't have CBS All Access. Now, if they fulfill that promise of year-round Star Trek, it becomes more appealing. And I would still probably do it through Prime because I bet you Prime is going to have them in HD. 
TNG is not in HD on CBS All Access. That blows my mind. Oh, that is weird, because I know for a fact it's in HD on Hulu. And on Netflix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting. I watch CBS All Access through my Roku app, and I'm pretty sure I get it in HD. You may want to double check that. I got it in HD through my Xbox app. From Patreon, David S. says, I subscribed to CBS All Access for the Discovery launch, but did not renew my subscription until a week prior to the finale. I will not subscribe again until after all of Discovery Season 2 is posted. Which is actually kind of a good way to do it, just hop in, binge the whole thing, and get off. That is unless, well, I don't know if CBS All Access will ever do this. BBC iPlayer, which is a great app in the UK, things that were on there were for limited time. And I don't think CBS All Access does that, but you gotta watch out for that. Because <laughs> if they only keep those episodes on there for a couple of weeks and then take them off, uh, you could scupper yourself. No, it did not. I could subscribe right now to CBS All Access and be able to binge the entire series of Discovery. Oh, I mean, right. Uh, right. I can't imagine. First of all, I can't imagine that, that they have the tech to even do that. From Twitter, Jason Smith says, I'm Canadian, so I got Space Channel. It has all my Star Trek stuff on it, including Discovery. Episode 379's second community question was, For those of you that have purchased the new Star Trek Online Destroyer-class starships, we want to know your first thoughts. For those of you on the fence, what's keeping you from purchasing it? From Facebook, Chris Keen writes in, I always thought a destroyer class was a little more tanky than an escort, but these have less hull than the pilot ships. Also, that console and tray is kinda meh. So for those reasons, I won't be investing, but I will say visually they are absolutely stunning. Good job, Thomas the Cryptic Cat. From Facebook, Dave Morgan says, subscribe to both CBS and Stone. I'll watch and play Star Trek all the time. Haven't gotten the new destroyers though, I'm still busy playing with my Jem'Hadar toys. From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Tyler Maxwell says, The boff setup seems pretty standard to me, nothing special to write home about. The console's converging beams of death power looks neat, though there are already more than a few Mega Cannon slash Death Blossom-esque powers in-game already, so not exactly a must-have in that department. The Klingon counterpart ship, well, looks like a Klingon ship. So much so that nothing about it makes it stand out from a line of Klingon ships stacked next to each other. All in all, I think folks will get the New Orleans ship pack because they're a fan of that specific ship, and not much else. Thanks to our audio editor, Brandon, for posting our questions on Discord. Burge 1701 says, I haven't bought the new Destroyers yet. I tend to stick with ships that I like for immersion, so I'm slow to jump on the shiny new ship bandwagon. With that said, I did buy the Deluxe Gamma Pack recently so my Jem'Hadar and Cardassian characters would have appropriate ships to fly. Smiley face. Well, that wraps up episode 380 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log, Women at Warp, and The Trek Files, visit podcasts.roddenberry.com. But before we go, here's our community questions for this week. Would you pay to see a standalone Sulu, Uhura, Spock, or other solo film? And will you be picking up Star Trek Discovery on Blu-ray? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com. 
on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, or find us on Twitter or Instagram via at Priority One Pod. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11 p.m. Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details. And if that wasn't enough, be sure to spend time with Admiral Winters and the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada takes to our Twitch channel where we review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as spotlight some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we'll team up with you, the viewers, our listeners, and earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there is something for all Star Trek Online players, new and old. Follow us on twitch.tv forward slash priority one. And if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. A very special thanks to Star Trek, the original series set tours... Mary Beth Ritkowski and James Cauley. Thanks to our audio editors, including Brandon Parker. Thanks to producer Jake Morgan for assisting in the writing of our show and social media endeavors. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Patreon associate producers, Navy Boats Lou and Jim DeVico. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Su no. Engage. my son <laughs> come here come here you know one of these days banana <laughs> <laughs> okay good night i love you
One of these days, I'm, I'm going to wake my son up and bring him on and say, hey, Zephram, what's your name? Yeah, and he's going to go, leave me alone, dad. Yeah. One of these days, I'm just going to have a random child come up and be like, <laughs> banana. <laughs> Do I have to say, what say you, captains? What say you, I, captains? I, I, I vote for putting the word y'all in there because that's I find that amazing when Kenna has to say y'all. That's not funny. Or change it to whatever you want. <laughs> also, it's supposed to be God, highlighted. And you're bold. making me use my whiny voice. Why? <laughs> Mom, Dad, stop fighting. <laughs> okay, sorry. Because you always complain about four. I know, I did it right. I did it right. For your... <laughs> well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hemming frequencies for your incoming messages. Banana. You can do transatlantic, but don't do British. Banana. Don't do that. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.